Hello, and welcome to the new episode of Dakota Boys Talk Movies. Yay! <laughs> Cue the fanfare! <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, that kind of reminded me of episode one, which we don't want to talk about. But tonight we are going to talk about an episode from that franchise, episode seven, The Force Awakens, the new Star Wars movie in the franchise which is you know now it's a continuation of where return of the jedi left off more or less and so we're excited to talk about that tonight yeah for those of you who did not know that this movie was coming out (laughs) you must what's that old saying live under a rock (laughs) because man even the thing is is even if you didn't have internet if you didn't have cable if you were homeless you would know this movie was coming out because they made every kind of possible promotional material you could make with this. I mean, every time I walk through Target, there's like like BB-8s following me around and stuff, and it's like, I heard cats. I heard in uh, Tokyo they actually resorted to skywriting. What? They still do that? I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, but they're like pulling the banner with the phone. Skywriting. That would be cool to see. I, I, would, I wish they were doing that, actually, now that I think about it. Except if they could get, like, an airplane, make it look like an X-Wing fighter and have it do skywriting. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. Or a TIE fighter. <laughs> well, you know, this whole, this whole movie was kind of, some could say, blown out of proportion, but uh, I don't really I don't really think it was. You know, they had all the that insane amount of toys. A lot of toys. Force Friday, where they released all the uh, toys for this movie and kind of... Yeah, and people tried to turn that into Spoiler Friday by <laughs> speculating what every little toy meant. And Even that... though how many movies do like toys that have nothing to do with things in the movie? Like, whoa, they put this in the same package as this person. Mm! <laughs> I mean, that could mean anything or nothing, really. Yeah, that kind of reminds me. Uh... <laughs> There's a... Uh... Nah, now nah, we won't go into it. That's that's something I'll bring up for another day. Yeah, but I think before we do talk more about Episode 7, which we are excited to talk about, in the midst of Star Wars mania, I guess you could call it, um, there was also just a slew, explosive diarrhea amount of trailers that came out in just the past few weeks. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it was like... Yeah. It was like some of these movies I think thought maybe they would get noticed in the midst of like the frenzy of of Star Wars and and I don't know um I think it was like the worst time because it's like oh that trailer came out in a way it was just because now it's when you have all the like Oscar contenders trying to you know elbow their way in going hey don't forget about us even though we only cost 2 million and nobody will see us and we'll still win best picture and then you know you have Star Wars in the midst of that and then you got all this like potential hype for Leo's movie coming out on Christmas and Quentin Tarantino's movie coming out on Christmas. And then these trailers came out, but which of the trailers kind of stuck out to you, Dakota, in these past few weeks? Honestly, there was probably the one that people, people talked about, uh, whether you loved it or hated it. There was no middle ground with this one. I'm referring of course to the trailer for Batman versus Superman. Yes, there was uh we had gotten that, Well, a couple early teasers, really, and this one really showed a lot more. Oh, yeah. Um, And that's what made it divisive, I think, is that um, I I will say – I'll say people like me loosely just because there's some people that are, like, 
way more zealous haters than I am, but I did feel a little bit that I saw Act One and then I saw Act Two and then I saw Act Three in that trailer and I saw and they go and we can all do the whole yeah, but you didn't see all of it. But at the same time, I feel like I saw a lot of the hero shots from each of those acts. And that's what kind of worries me because we saw them mad at each other. and Or we saw the buildup, really, to them being mad at each other. We saw them mad at each other. And then we saw them team up together. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, you know that's going to happen. But at the same time, I think I was kind of hoping they wouldn't necessarily be a team by the end of this movie. I, I kind of hoped this whole movie would be versus. And now I know it isn't, <laughs> you know? Well, to be fair, you should have saw that coming. I mean... But, well, I should have just because, because it, pretty much after this movie ends, we're getting a Justice League movie and Zack Snyder kind of flat out said, as this movie was getting made, this isn't a sequel to Man of Steel. Right. This is something else. But I, what I guess what I mean more so is, is, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I, th- maybe this is part of it is I think they're rushing the Justice League. I don't know if the Justice League should be the next movie after this. Maybe that's kind of the issue because yeah. they're, they're, I'm just worried that they could have this really cool build up, like have like a an actual Man of Steel 2 after this or a Batman movie or a Wonder Woman movie even, and then do Justice League. I don't know. So we'll see because maybe, I mean, honestly, we're only like, what, three months from this now? Yeah. And so, oh wow, we're coming up on it pretty yeah, fast. Yeah, I mean, so we're we're at like you know the ninety-ish day mark, and so uh, I guess we don't really have to wait long to see how it works. And honestly, I really do hope it. I really do hope I'm wrong, in that it isn't disappointing. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> that trailer. Actually, I loved it. I just loved every single moment of it. I really did. <laughs> from the uh, from the 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 banter with uh Clark and Bruce and then you had Yeah, and I liked that. I liked the the first like little them meeting each other thing. I liked that and that but that see that's kind of what I wanted more of the whole movie to be and I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, and then that we got a little bit more Lex Luthor and which isn't a good thing. <laughs> I don't know about the Lex thing either. And then there was the big reveal which is uh which is a villain showed up. I won't say which one. You're gonna have to go watch it yourself. You haven't seen it, but uh, you've seen him. It's Donatello. <laughs> the geek. <laughs> you know, I. A lot of people say he looks like a Ninja Turtle, but I think he looks. He looks a lot like the troll. I, I found this out recently. Weta Workshop is doing the effects for this. Yeah, they. Well, yeah, because I saw this. Uh, this mashup thing, and they showed Doomsday like slam to the ground and like do the raw thing and then they cut to Boromir from Lord of the Rings and go they have a cave troll <laughs> <laughs> and it's like yes that's awesome uh yeah and and I'm glad they're using I mean what a digital does good work I mean um you know there's a couple other cool action shots in that movie where the visual effects do look good I just hope the rest of the movie matches up just cuz I don't know that's Zack Snyder he he can pump all these cool visuals but he kind of I don't know if he ends up being like a lap dog to Warner Brothers or what, because it just seems like his he's his movies kind of a tendency to be a little lifeless. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I don't know. And and before everybody thinks I'm a DC hater, I had some qualms with the Civil War trailer that came out too. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know about the whole like. I don't think there's been enough 
Iron Man and Captain America not liking each other, I, I have a feeling that might seem a little rushed too. Like, like the Sokovia Accords or whatever that thing is that General Ross brings is going to make them so immediately take sides that it's like, I don't know, we'll see if that works out too. So, And so, again, I hope that works out because that's probably going to have repercussions into the next 20 Marvel movies <laughs> because that's how Marvel does it. And so it's like, well, hopefully that works out. It probably um, wouldn't. It probably won't affect the Howard the Duck movie, though. What I what I would what I, what would be cool about like Civil War though is if like the mid credit, post credit, whatever scene was Tony Stark, um, finding out about this group that works in outer space, and he reaches out to them. <laughs> I mean, I think that'd be a cool way because, like, you know, a lot of the stuff that Tony's doing is is in his like in uh, trying to figure out how to best protect the Earth mode because he knows something bigger is coming. You know, that's been the whole thing. That's why he accidentally released Ultron in his attempt to protect the Earth better and that maybe he'll be the one that reaches out to the Guardians and kind of pulls them in at some point. Or maybe Vision, since he's kind of a little more whatever he is. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like maybe he'll kind of do it. But, yeah, interesting stuff. I guess for me, honestly, the one... That impressed me the most that I was not expecting at all out of the most recent ones. Independence Day Resurgence. Where the heck did that come from? Like, I think it was possibly we probably all kind of wrote it off. Like, oh, they're making a sequel to this movie. Like a year. Like a year. Well, I mean, Roland Emmerich's talked about it for years. Yeah. Like. I don't know, a year, a year and a half ago when I heard Roland Emmerich is is heavy into like the pre-production and I'm like, "What? This is really going to happen?" And it was like, and then there was all these rumors that Will Smith was going to be the president in it, you know. And I'm just like, oh, "That sounds stupid." And then yeah, I did kind of write it off. Well, now I'm I don't care what anybody says. I'm glad Will Smith's not in it. I think he's really <laughs> overrated. <laughs> and uh yeah, so I'm kind of curious where they'll go with that. And there's just like kind of a cool idea of we use the alien technology to better protect us, but the rest of the aliens come in fuller force, you know. With And so, and it's nice to see the gold bloom back. And Pullman, Bill Pullman was in that preview looking a little grizzled. So, kind of cool to see where they go with some of that. So, I hope that premise works out and see what happens there. But yeah. Yeah, then we, I think the one that kind of underwhelmed, and I don't think really got people talking, was the Tarzan one that we had come out here. Yeah, like, that just kind of, like, came out and was, like, for about five minutes it was trending. Like, Tarzan trailer's out, and then all of a sudden it was, like, it was, like, the, it was just, like, and then it was gone. It was, like, and nobody cared, and it was, like, I don't know. Yeah. I just don't think anybody cares. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it kind of that's the same thing that happened with the World of Warcraft trailer. Yeah. Or what is it? The Warcraft trailer. Yeah, it came out and everybody thought they were excited for it and then we saw the trailer and we're all kind of like, "Okay, <laughs> there it is." <laughs> so there you go. Except World of Warcraft's what like a year away. It's like next Christmas, I think, or something stupid like that. Yeah, it's it's a ways away. It's like a year away, and and because I mean, we'll practically have the next Star Wars, like <laughs> yeah. like uh, Episode Eight. I'm talking, not Rogue One. By the time 
Because I think uh, the next Star Wars comes out in summer 2017. Yeah, by the time that movie comes out, everyone will be getting excited because we'll be seeing uh, on-set shots of the cast. And it'll be like, oh, let's <laughs> yeah. let's dissect every little thing going on here. In and the other thing with Tarzan just seems like they're trying to play off Margot Robbie mania. Like, oh, well, Margot Robbie is Jane and everybody will care again. And nobody really cares. <laughs> you know, um, I'm going to bring up one that kind of flew way under the radar. But I, I actually got me interested in the movie was uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Have you seen? Uh, yes, I did see the trailer for that. He's referring to, if you're not sure what this is, uh, a Tina Fey movie that's uh, kind of a a little bit of a biopic. It's a true story of a woman reporter who goes over to what Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, I think it's supposed to be Afghanistan and or she's in Iraq too. I think. Oh, okay. I can't remember if it's Pakistan or Iraq. And yeah, it's uh, based on her memoirs, basically going there and Tina Fey's in it. And so it's kind of like hanging in that balance of being a drama with comedic elements. It seems by the trailer anyway. And so, yeah, I don't know. We'll see if that, if that works out. She's kind of playing Liz lemon in the trenches. <laughs> so Hopefully. yeah, that did go really under the radar, but honestly, I think some of that is, is, uh, even with sisters out, uh, or I think it's out. <laughs> yeah. Cause it came out with episode seven. So <laughs> I think Tina Fey mania, we'll just use mania again, has kind of fizzled. And so maybe that's why she was even interested in doing Whisco, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot just to... Uh, Plus, I just like saying that Which I just name. realized what that stands for right now. <laughs> I just realized I should have known with Tina Fey. WTF. Yeah, it'd be something stupid like that. Because um, she's an idiot. Well, so. if, it, <laughs> if it's Fox that's putting out the movie, you know there'll be movie posters that say that. Yeah. Because they, they came up with anagrams for everything. LXG. X2. Yeah, X2. Which was probably one of the most laziest. <laughs> LX, LXG, LXG was, in an attempt, was an attempt to save a movie that had a ridiculously long title that really drifted from source material. And so they were trying to make it cool. Anyway, we better get to the piece all resistance. And time to get to the meat of the potato. Talk a little bit. And this is going to be very broad strokes. We want to keep stay vague. We don't have spoilers. Um, and just give kind of our feelings on The Force Awakens. That's right. We're not giving away any spoilers because we're not those guys. And and honestly, apparently just saying it was great or it was terrible or whatever is apparently spoilers to some people. So if you're that person where we say, oh, I loved it, you're like, too much information, then just leave now. Or if we say, hated it. Too much information. Just leave now. There's no point in listening because apparently you're the person where everything's a spoiler. So just leave. Come back later. I might give away give away a little too much. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I mean, just talking about it's giving away things, and and you should go into this movie a little vague. You should go into any any movie like a little vague because you don't want to have preconceived notions can be the death of many movies, and I think are uh, preconceived. You know what what's nice about the Force Awakens was. The trailers showed you things that got you excited about how it was going to look, but now going to the movie, you realize they didn't get anything away. Yeah. They just gave you, like, enough to, like, so you could be like, see, this is what it's going to look like, and it's going to look like this, and they're going to be here, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, and then you go into the movie, and 
and you realize, oh, that didn't really spoil anything, but it showed me the look of the movie, the feel of the movie. And so they did a really, really good job marketing this movie um, on that. But yeah, so I think now we'll just go into kind of our, go into our first initial feelings here. Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Nothing will stand in our way. I will finish what you started. There are stories about what happened. Uh, so Dakota, um, how did you feel first off when the movie started and the Lucasfilm flickered and then the blue text that everyone knows came on the screen? Where were you at in that moment? <laughs> well, you know, I was, I was trying to, trying to be really reserved when it came to getting <laughs> excited about this movie. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I lost control and I was like, Oh my God. That was the thing, like, I walked in, you know, and there's people leaving, like, the first showing in their stupid, like, Darth Maul outfits, and I'm like, oh, stupid. (laughs) And, like, look at my lightsaber, (laughs) and, like, where's Hayden Christensen, (laughs) and all this stupid stuff that people do. Yeah, and then there was, like, these annoying guys doing, like, Chewbacca screams for, like, the first 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, thanks for that, dude. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but, yeah, once that came up, you, you were just elated with emotions, is that what you're basically saying? Especially when Star Wars banged onto the screen <laughs> to the fanfare that everyone knows, even if they've never seen a Star Wars movie? I, I actually was kind of grateful Disney didn't put their stupid little logo in front of this movie because yeah. it probably would have killed uh, the moment for me. Yeah. Well, props to Disney on the oh. way they handle all the things they've sucked into their gigantic evil monster that they are. Because um, Marvel's the same way. Like, it's so nice going to a Marvel movie and it just says, Marvel, 
<laughs> you know, there isn't like some stupid castle sparkle before. That's okay when I'm watching like Monsters <laughs> University 7 or something. But, you know, when you're at like a Star Wars movie or like a comic book movie, it's nice to have the mouse house kind of out of the way a little bit in that aspect. And so, yeah, I would agree with that. It just, you stayed in that, you were still in that moment of it all. And and the other thing is both of us kind of, I remember in the moment, is the scroll or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, the scroll for once, actually, it didn't confuse you. It was very straightforward, oh. told you told you what you needed to know. It told, yeah, it told you what you needed to know. None of this crap about it, diplomatic relations yeah, or trade it, routes. It, it or, had... Like the information, it had the information you needed to like know where the story was starting and to get, bring you into the story, maybe even kind of catch you up a little bit um, on where we were. Um, but yeah, like the when you see it, like it's cool because the first sentence just like, like it just, yeah, the first sentence of that scroll is just like, there it is and it brings you right into it. And yeah, it just like it just lays out the story. There's no like um, business class needed or <laughs> just long sentences about negotiation things. And and then and then you're in it, and then you're in the story. And that was something I probably appreciated about this movie the most was that a lot of times when you come back into a story like this, there's two ways you can go that can make it really messy and screwy. Is way too nostalgic and get really nostalgic like jurassic world dabbled way like almost too far into nostalgia like like colin trevorrow it just felt like he was like too far into like i think that comes service i think that's just simply because of the fact that he's just too huge of a fan yeah and that's and that but that's why i was worried about jj was that he's a huge fan of star wars he already has a tendency to be a little nostalgic about things but I don't know if maybe bringing on Lawrence Kasdan to help him write it kind of reined him in a little bit, or maybe like Kathleen Kennedy, you know, maybe her influence kind of reined him in a little bit. I think part of it has to do with the fact that he he checked himself before he wrecked himself. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Maybe he knew his tendencies. Maybe he's understanding his weakness because well, because that was the thing with uh, with this movie is that familiarity was there. And yet it felt really fresh and it did what it was supposed to do. It what this was a, a continuation. It was like the first time we've had a real continuation to the Luke Skywalker story. And it did that. It did. It just continued the story, you know, without any like, I don't know. We're going to hang in the past this whole movie, you know, or something, you know, and we're going to we're going to schmaltzy or something. We're going to come up with a whole bunch of new aliens you don't you don't necessarily like, but we're going to yeah, use them. Or or have a Jar Jar Banks or something. Yeah. And so he did. He 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 hung you in that familiarity, but still brought you into the, the new generation of of this world, really. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of going to throw something out there um looking back on it now that beginning kind of reminded me of saving private ryan in a way and the fact that they're on it it starts with these stormtroopers and their their shuttle they're they're going down to a planet and they're they're crammed in this little area and they're just like loading their their blast rifles and then the ship lands and the trap door comes down and they all just rush out shooting yeah it kind of yeah you kind of really follow the stormtroopers into 
Yeah, into uh, attack, I guess, really. I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, the first shot from the very first movie, we had the opposite end of that where you see the rebels running into position with their blasters getting ready to take these guys on. Yeah, that's and, true. And then the stormtroopers come through the doors. Yeah, that's true. And you yeah. don't really see them. Like, I don't know, maybe they were back there, like, puffing away because it was the 70s when everybody smoked. But <laughs> who knows what they were doing? But here they're all just very calm, professional. Yeah. Just really reserved. You don't see anybody kind of hesitating. And I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this what this is what cold-blooded, efficient, efficient killers look like. And that Well, yeah. And that was the thing is that um, – through the story, you kind of get a little bit into Stormtrooper lore, like where the Stormtroopers are coming from at this point. And that's the other thing I guess I would say I liked about this movie was that um, it didn't overly exposition things like Christopher Nolan does, where he says really long, like, I'm going to tell you everything because you're too stupid. Yeah, and then constantly just, bring up themes from that conversation. Yeah, it feels like... The things you needed to know about the past, what's going on and things, were just part of the conversation of the story as it progressed. And even though maybe they didn't answer every single little question, let's remember, this is number one of three. Yeah. Um, and Plus, so, and I, so I think we got to be careful about rushing into like, you know, well, they didn't answer this, and why did they? Why would they do that? And not explain it and things like that. It's like, no, just let it progress. There's three movies here, people. Plus, one major thing to remember: something that George Lucas, I think, forgot. Less is sometimes more. Yes, less is more, and I think that is what helped this movie. Uh, I guess an analogy to you people who who don't quite get this would be: imagine, because everybody kind of was like want, wanted all the answers by the end of this movie. Now, imagine if in a new hope at the you know by the end of the movie you knew who Darth that Darth Vader was Luke's father and that he knew that Leia was his sister and all that stuff just like happened in the first movie um you know it would be like everything would just feel so out of left field and unexplained and and rushed where it's like no you, you like progress that out you know you kind of like pulled that out where in the original trilogy Near the end of the second movie was when Vader, you know, Luke found out who Vader was. In the third movie was when he found out who his sister was, you know. And so it was like things kind of progress. You let it progress. You have three stories, you know, or three movies here that are going to let this play out. And so and so I was really happy. Um, I was really happy with that about not having everything just like <laughs> – you know, kind of answered out, and and that there were still like a. I wanted to leave wanting more because that means that I want, I want the continuation of the story, you know, and things like that, and so, um, and Star and Star Wars now is enough of a of a beast that. They they could end it, without ending it because they know, <laughs> they're going to be able to make another one. Whereas George Lucas, when he made the first Star Wars wasn't sure if they were going to ha- and so it had to have a little bit more of like a nice ending which is why I think it had like the you know pat each other on the back award ceremony almost was just because they wanted to make sure that that movie had its own wrapped upness <laughs> to just throw together a bunch of words you know so that it could be but with this you can you can have a little bit more of the 
we'll, we'll flesh it out as we go here, you know. And so, yeah, I thought that was nice too. Um, yeah. Anything else that kind of stuck out to you, Dakota, one way or the other? You know, I'm I'm gonna come out there and say this, just because I I don't know I want to, <laughs> okay. but. I was actually really impressed with the character of Kylo Ren. I mean, Darth Vader, I always thought was like really cool, and he was he was probably one of my favorite villains mm-hmm. um, of all time. And in this movie, we actually got a really good villain. I thought it was interesting to to kind of have him on one side. Then you have you have the two other uh, the two y- other young actors on the other side, and it was just. First off, he's he's actually pretty cool. Like right off the bat, you you see him showcase some powers that we've never seen before. <laughs> and you know, I kind of I didn't like his lightsaber. You know, the fact that it had the the hilt, the hilt, yeah. But in this, it actually looks. Once you get over that, it kind of looks pretty cool. Well, yeah, like uh, yeah. Because it was just kind of flashed in the trailer, and I think it was so new. It was basically the Darth Maul moment of the trailer when Darth Maul in that – you remember that episode one trailer where he goes <laughs> – and all of a sudden it – on the other side, and you're like, what the crap? You know, and they kind of – it was kind of that moment of, of that teaser, and it was like you weren't sure what quite to think about it. But, yeah, it wasn't – I hardly even thought about it during the movie, honestly. It wasn't like, oh, there's that stupid cross guard again, you know, or something. I mean, it just – it just was kind of part of the whole thing or whatever. Um, yeah. Yeah. And and if you want to, you know, we'll get more into, like, character development and things like that probably in our spoiler episode. <laughs> <laughs> our less vague episode about what we thought about these characters more specifically. Um, so if you're interested in that after you've seen the movie, um, you can listen to that episode um, when it's out. But, uh Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And and as far as um let's go into the fresh meat first. Um <laughs> okay. so we had kind of we'll just say kind of the main four fresh people. You had Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, and Adam Driver. Um as a kind of this new kind of fresh meat to the Star Wars universe. How would you feel about them coming in, did you, did any of them stick out to you negatively in that aspect? No, for newcomers, they were all, all well, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess they're mostly unknowns because Os- Oscar Isaac's obviously been in a few movies. Yeah, Oscar Isaac has been in He's... more in the Hollywood spotlight since like 2006 but he really only came really into the spotlight probably a couple of years ago with that Cone Brothers movie he was in um, yeah. inside uh Lewin is that how you say Lewin Davis Yeah um that was so he's really only been heavily in the spotlight for a couple of years but kind of his first big Hollywood movie was the he played Joseph in the Nativity Story in 2006 and that's when I first took notice of him and was like Wow, you know, he was really good. He was definitely the standout in the Nativity story. Um, yeah, younger people might remember him as the uh he had a small cameo in the movie Twenty One Jump Street as the as the principal in that movie. Oh, there you I go. Had a, Didn't know that. Yeah, he, he wasn't in the movie I think he was in the movie probably about if anything, four minutes, but he was pretty funny. Yeah. 
definitely definitely got your attention and then in this one he's he's kind of playing a character I was trying to figure out what to call him <laughs> kind of that gung ho let's do this type guy he's he's playing he's, a pilot he's in this ba- movie well, I think the best way to describe him is he's the new swagger <laughs> yeah. he he's the guy who's going to have the new swagger in the series and the, the this is the new hotness yeah in the the other one that um John Boyega, what I thought was interesting about him, he he's the the uh, guy you see in the trailer, the stormtrooper with his helmet off, breathing heavily. <laughs> yeah. What I thought was interesting about him is there was a, it felt like there was a little bit of like I'm in a Star Wars movie, <laughs> like, but I think some of that was he was just kind of the character he was was kind of high strung, but I also thought he did a good like I thought his character was an interesting character. And he did a good job with it. And it's and Daisy Ridley, um, for she was literally probably the most out of the blue, just because John Boyega got a little bit of a cult following with a movie he did Attack the Block. I think it was called where he like some British. Yeah, with the you might have heard about it with the alien werewolves. Yeah, and he's kind of like a gang leader. I think that <laughs> takes yeah. him on. And uh, she was literally the like, who the heck is this? And everyone was googling Daisy Ridley when she was announced and coming up with nothing except for like some short films she was in and a few TV shows for the BBC. And so she was like literally like the what? Who is this person? And uh, she did fine. She did fine. She she did a good job. I mean, they all kind of held their own in there. Um. I'm going to be honest with you. The real breakout star of this movie had to have been BB-8. Yeah. I I mean, yeah. <laughs> the way you look at it, it's, oh, this is the I, new R2. I honestly got a little worried because BB-8 was getting quite a bit of attention, you know, before the movie came out. And I'm like, well... It's like this cute little ball thing, and they're you know they know it's an easy merchandise sell, and we can make a hundred and fifty dollar remote control thing that's two <laughs> inches high, and you'll buy it because he's cute and whatever. And so I thought it was just all this stupid merchandise plug, and obviously it still is. I mean, there's a lot of money in <laughs> Star Wars toys, people. I mean, uh, the it, more the more robots and people that these screenwriters create, Disney just gets dollar signs in their eyes and is swimming in their coins like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> Let's be honest here, people. It's a merchandise sell. But at the same time, yes, I went into this a little like, okay, yeah. I, I didn't think I would enjoy BB-8 as much as I did. I thought it would be like a total like R2 substitute. And uh, no, again, there's a familiarity in the fact that there was a, this droid that had a certain R2 ness, R2D2 ness to it, but was again kind of a cool, new, fresh character that had a personality, which was kind of interesting. You don't really. But I guess now you think about R2D2 had a unique personality, C3PO's unique personality, where it was like, yeah, you don't think about it. But yeah, BB 8. <laughs> there you go. Um, what about the old cast? Do you think all the old cast kind of held their own? I guess I'd say that, um... Yeah, Peter Mayhew certainly hasn't aged in this movie, I'll (laughs) tell you what. (laughs) Just watching him on screen really took me back to, uh... Wookiee's, uh... 
A Wookiee's age slower because you got to remember, like Chewie's already like what two hundred years old or something. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I was honestly surprised they're they're not in the movie as much as you would think they would be. But when they but when they're there, they're they're actually pretty strong. I mean, this is a completely different side of Han Solo that we're seeing. It's not not the same person we left him off as. He's a, I, yeah. I I guess I would. Uh disagree a little bit there i would say that this is han solo in a different period of his life but he's still han you know (laughs) it's kind of where that is but yeah we'll kind of maybe we'll kind of stop there with that because we don't want to give away too much about where everybody fits in to the story but yeah i mean as far as the original cast uh they did just as good a job they all kind of fit back into their roles and and again it wasn't like so much into nostalgia that they were distracting they they all fit into the story with the way they were used it was again a continuation it wasn't like they were just there to be like the hey here i am i'm in the movie <laughs> you know or something like they meant if they were you know they meant something they meant something and they were part of the story and so that was nice that was nice but um i guess the other thing that gave it a familiarity, obviously, was the fact that John Williams came back to not only um, bring us all the Star Wars themes we know and love, but to bring us some some new uh, some new themes for the new characters. Obviously, and I guess the one that really stuck out to me was was Ray's theme. I really enjoyed uh, kind of the theme he used for her and the way she's introduced, but but. Uh, with these new themes, you know, John Williams is really cool. He he has this thing where he always makes all of the themes able to blend back in to the main Star Wars theme, and it's just cool how he does that. So that you know, even with these new ones he made, they can all come right back into right back into what you know. And and I was thinking about you know what he's in his eighties, right? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I think we got to safely assume that he might do the music for episode eight, but he probably won't for episode nine. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be, I mean, he could live that long, but will he still like be directing and composing? You know, it's hard to know. So I started thinking like, I wonder who could fill his shoes, but I mean, the easy name that people throw out there is, Oh, Michael Giacchino. And granted that guy does write good store scores and stuff, but yeah, it kind of, kind of makes me think like who they might have to pull in. Cause I don't know. Danny Elfman? Ugh, no, not <laughs> Danny Elfman. That dude needed to quit doing stuff like I don't know, early two thousands. But uh, yeah, and so again, Trent Reznor. You had all that, but then it got me thinking too, because obviously this movie opens with the scrawl, you know, like Episode Seven, Force Awakens, scrawl the story. Um. It kind of got me thinking, like, you know, for these anthology movies, like we have Rogue One coming out next year, will they do the fanfare start? Will they have Star Wars blast onto the screen and then do a scrawl? Or do you think they'll do something different? It's hard to tell with uh, with Disney now owning things. Who knows? Uh, I mean, there's a Han Solo movie coming out. Uh, yeah, like just any of them. It kind of... I almost lean toward... I would... I think it'd be cool for these... Since these aren't main saga movies it would be cool if they just did away with that maybe just had them start maybe just like or do like a like a cold open 
where the movie opens and then you like flash up like you know like Rogue One, a Star Wars story, or you know, like or something, whatever they're gonna have it, you know, kind of listed as on there, and you know, like something like that could be cool too, um, especially for one like Rogue One, where it's basically something that's taking place, um, prior to and maybe kind of during the events of A New Hope, since it's them getting the plans for the Death Star, and so maybe it'd be cool if like you did kind of have it like that, where it was like this is a Star Wars story, but it isn't one of the the big saga ones you know and yeah it might be a cool way to do it just have to wait and see i guess but i guess bottom line we want to get to with this with this little thing of a bob we got going here is just bottom line flat out dakota what do you give this movie well <laughs> To quote a Disney villain, I give it two thumbs way, way up. Who the heck said that? Was that like Hades from <laughs> yeah. Hercules? I was going to say, it seems like something James Wood did or something. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I'm not going to lie. I just, the the Star Wars fan in me just love this movie. Just loved it so much. I just want to squeeze it and just <laughs> hold it. <laughs> I mean, there's so much in this movie. If you If you like star wars you're you're probably going to like this movie too just because sure this movie isn't exactly breaking any new ground here the story the story's going to kind of feel a little similar in some parts there's going to be some shots that really take you back to the first trilogy but that's not a bad thing it's all done in a in a new kind of way um the there's a a scene in particular where we saw some X-Wings racing down a trench and these turrets were firing at him. And I was like, oh, hey, cool. But it didn't it didn't take take anything away from the movie. It didn't, you know, make me stop and say, mm-hmm. oh, oh, they're, they're reusing, they're just reusing shots from the old ones. Right. Um, and then, of course, uh, seeing kind of this new version of the Empire, but not exactly new with the... Uh, with this uh first order yeah the first order here uh it was all it all kind of just fit well there was this movie was also really light i was kind of surprised it was it was kind of there were some moments where it was a little sad but a lot of comedic moments that that kept me laughing that's that's true for those of you who are worried this is going to be another like dark and gritty kind of uh bring it back in a gritty way. No, I mean, they understood how to balance the the story with still having lighthearted moments, but at the same time, the lighthearted moments don't take away from the moments that you're supposed to feel something in. Yeah, just like the best, you know, even if you want to go back to, like, Empire Strikes Back. I mean, you felt the heavy moments and you felt the fun moments, even when they were, like, scene to scene like that. Yeah, yeah they captured that well, too. Yep. Yeah, this movie just had a lot of things going for it. Um, like I, like we said, this is the spoiler-free episode, but uh, there were just so many movies to, or moments to just geek out in with this movie. <laughs> uh, the way we're reintroduced to the Millennium Falcon, uh, kind of learning what Han Solo's been up to the last few years, seeing Leia... Leia for the first time in this movie, 
Luke. Luke, probably the big moment the when you finally see him again. And it's just, oh, man, it was just all, I'm actually going to use the word exciting because it's like, oh, my God, there they are again playing these playing these what are now iconic characters. Without phoning it in. Yes. None of them felt like they were just like, all right, here I am. This is what you wanted, right? I mean, they were. They seem. They all seemed uh, genuinely invested. Actually, there's one moment where I could think of where the, that happened, but it was with R two, so it's okay. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, and so you're giving it like just a pretty enthusiastic recommend slash. You should see it as many times as you possibly can. <laughs> yes. Okay, you- and. And to kind of yeah, I guess I would be in the same boat to kind of to kind of play off of what Dakota was saying, and is it was like, yeah, they're they're the the movie like yeah when he was talking about you know just like scenes that kind of took you back, but they took you back like he said in the right way where you weren't out of the moment of of the present movie. It took you back in the way where you're like, oh, this is so much fun. It was like you weren't like sad and depressed that of like, like, I'm sorry, but especially like episode two, I just there was just a moment where I just remember feeling like a sadness where I was just like, this isn't Star Wars. Was it when Anakin talks about sand? Yeah. Well, (laughs) it was especially basically when, yeah, he just became a creeper in that movie. And yeah, it was just like. I guess that was the thing is this was just a breath of, of fresh air. Um, and, and I can, and I can honestly say, you know, cause some people give Avengers a hard time where it was like, well, yeah, everybody was excited the first time, but you can't watch it again. And, and I, don't know, I don't know if I tend to totally agree with people saying that about Avengers, but I, I, I've seen it twice now. I've seen star Wars twice now. Episode seven. Sorry. You can't just say star Wars. I guess. And, and honestly, the second time I was a little worried I did go in with more trepidations like here I am. This is when I find out. This is when I find out if if I was just totally buzzed that first time, if I was just drunk on Star Wars that first time. <laughs> and so I went in this time just completely sober. Like there wasn't an ounce of Star Wars alcohol in my system where I was drunk on nostalgia. And and there was certain points in the movie that hit me harder this time or uh just stuck out to me more in a better way. And so I I think this will, this will be just how we remember, especially like uh new hope and empire strikes back and stuff where it's like, you do want to go back and revisit. You want to have that story. Cause I mean, it's the story. It's the story. We all star Wars is always the story. We all love where it's like, like you feel where it's just inspiring where it's like, where this nobody ends up becoming like a hero or something, you know, that's what star Wars is. And like how, how there's a certain amount of hero in all of us, you know, and type things and how it's just exciting. And then to see it all play out on screen, it just gets you like elated, you know? And, 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 and again, this isn't a movie where it's just brainless in that way, where it's just like, it's exciting and it still feels like you're in the same universe and it's a true continuation. And so I too would have to give it, see it. And I'm, and I'm guessing if you're remotely at all a star Wars fan, you're definitely 
not going to come out sad. You're probably going to want to see it again. Um, honestly, I have heard a few like naysayers. And when I, when I look at why they are naysaying, it's like in these like ridiculous nitpicky ways where it's like, okay, name me one movie that got everything right. Cause that's the thing. It, it, it probably isn't a perfect movie. Uh, Actually, I know it isn't. Now that I think, I mean, there's little things you could you could pick at if you wanted to. But honestly, Orson Welles didn't film a perfect movie either with Citizen Kane. Sorry, AFI. I mean, there's just no such thing as a perfect movie. You just try to, you just try to find those right strides that go. Okay, are we going the right way with the story of Luke and where Han would go and and bringing in these new people and how we're fitting them in and. And there, is this coming together right and, and actually being a story and not just, you know, some sort of fan service? And, and I think they did it. I think they did it. I think they honestly made a story that works. And part of that is I give props to to J.J. Abrams for bringing in Lawrence Kasdan, who helped do screenwriting on, um, what, episodes five and six? Yeah. And so, you know, he brought in this screenwriter who had been around with, uh, with stars before and kind of understood those, you know, those characters. And then you had JJ kind of decide, well, how can we kind of move us in a fresh way? And I think that just helped that helped. And so I, I too, uh, you know, at the risk of us agreeing on this year, which maybe is kind of boring to you. <laughs> I mean, for goodness sakes, I look over and Dakota's wearing a shirt that has the rebel symbol on it. <laughs> um, there's just there's just no design. There's no denying. Um, they awakened a franchise once again. <laughs> it's been awakened, and uh, it's really, in a lot of ways, been brought back from death because. Those pre- prequels were were stinky, rotten corpses. Um, I think you're being a little too hard on that. They, but the they, first one was just god awful. That's true. I honestly think episode two might be the worst. Um, I'm not. I don't think I'm being hard on them because it is hard to watch them without getting just a bad taste in your mouth and not really feeling very Star Warsy once the scrawl is over. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think the the problem with the whole thing is. George Lucas just kind of got older, and when you get older, things, things, ideas, well, just I perspectives on things just change. I don't even I don't even know was that. I think Star Wars got bigger than he was. I think he was a technical director who didn't know how to be a story director, and and uh, and he had he was completely in charge on the prequels, like story directing everything, you know, where his he didn't have very. You know, I mean, he didn't direct <laughs> Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, you know, and, and you know, somebody else kind of, yeah, he had his points in there and stuff, but I think he just, it, he lost his way somewhere. And I think, I honestly, I think 1997 was the year he was warning us, I've lost my way when he started just messing with them. And I think the reason he's messing with them is because he is such a technical director that he was so busy thinking about, oh, I gotta add this to the Sarlacc pit, and oh, I gotta, I gotta have this screen just totally congested with with things walking across that we can barely see Luke and <laughs> Ben going down on the land speeder. That he lost his way on what Star Wars really is, and the bottom line is, Star Wars is all about 
the great characters and your investment in them, not about how many cartoon characters walk through a shot. And, uh, yeah, I think he kind of wanted to make it feel bigger than it really was. And he kind of, he ended up just, they, they became distractions. I mean, you watch them now and they're just like, Oh, look at that ugly, ugly CGI. (laughs) It looks like it just popped out of a video game. Not even a good video game. Like one from like the original (laughs) Xbox. (laughs) Like, like if you've ever played the Hellboy game for PlayStation 1, it's about that cartoony and boxy. But, yeah, and so um, I give him a lot of credit for creating a really cool world and starting um, Star Wars off. But in the same in the same vein where I'm glad J.J. isn't directing anymore, I, you know, I'm glad George is kind of maybe a little bit on the outside now because – because I think JJ could go the same route because he's a really good at catapulting things, but I don't know if he's the best guy to continue it on. So I am glad that JJ maybe got it off the ground the right way, but I'm glad that maybe he's not going to make any more of them. <laughs> yeah, he already ruined one foreign franchise for me. I do not go And that. so, uh, yeah, and so there's our review broad stroke review on force awakens and we kind of rabbit trailed there at the end but that's okay that's what it's all about is just talking about movies that's why we call ourselves what we do not because you know this is this is kind of um getting getting off topic but still talking about george lucas i recently found out that when he sold when he sold lucasfilm he sold it i don't know if you guys are aware he sold he sold it to to disney for four billion dollars yeah yeah you heard that right billion four billion dollars and when that happened he's doing okay (laughs) he actually offered his expertise on star wars yes he offered character input he uh, had a lot of different script outlines yeah like where he wanted he wanted the characters to go and they pretty much just gave him a very very firm polite no thank you we got this yeah yeah, they did. Um, I To use the word broad stroke again, I think maybe what they did take from him was the broad stroke ideas because what they did right now is really what George had wanted to do in the bigger sense was, hey, let's continue, uh, let's continue Luke's story 30 years later. You know, I, I, there's this old interview of Mark Hamill like in the early 90s on some talk show we're on the set of like Return of the Jedi. I think it's uh he's talking to Oprah, isn't he? I don't remember. He's on some talk show, but Mark Hamill says how George Lucas said, um, yeah, I really want to continue have you continue playing Luke maybe around 2011 or so and well, here it's 2015 and and so I mean, it's like there is a sense where maybe George's vision is there and obviously George is the one who created this world and in the in these original characters. But like I said, I think it got almost his 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 art transcended him. <laughs> yeah, and he didn't and, quite know how to And and he didn't know what to do because he's not a story guy. I just don't think he's a story guy. I I appreciate his his technical and how he did push the guys to almost hate him in that original trilogy to push like how they did special effects. But uh but somewhere along the way he just kind of lost his way i think but you know to kind of kind of bring up something else after it was i think two years after after revenge of the sith had ended matthew mcconaughey of all people 
was doing an interview with somebody and they asked him what what film what sequel to what film would you like to see and he actually brought up how he he would like to see the sequels to the original Star Wars which would be 7 8 9 and well I'll tell you what I'd like to see the interviewer actually thought that was ridiculous. Like, (laughs) no, that will never happen. And I'm pretty sure you don't want to see that. And here we are. And it's like, how, how could she ever, how could she ever do that? And, and I don't think it would have happened if he wouldn't have probably given over, you know, the control that he did to somebody else. Yeah. I mean, maybe he would have done something, but yeah, it's hard to say. Uh, but I think with that we'll 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 kind of wrap up this 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 episode here and and just say obviously Force Awakens see it. Um, for those of you out there who are not familiar with the Star Wars world, I don't think that'll really hinder you from this movie. Obviously, there's a lot of nostalgic moments you just won't totally like go over or smack yourself like the lady next to me the second time I went was doing. She just kept like smacking herself and groaning it was kind of weird and i was a little off put by maybe what was going on next to me but (laughs) um but you you, i mean you'll still have an enjoyable time and i and i think maybe actually um i think it probably would i mean if, if if you ended up liking force awakens it probably would cause you to want to go back and be like okay well why why you know where did these people come from and you know maybe i should check those out so so there is that going for you too. So, um, yeah, I guess just to uh, put a cap on this, remember to uh, like us on Facebook where we keep you updated on different things and in, in news, things like that. And then, uh, yeah, subscribe to us on YouTube or a podcast thing. Um, there's been some technical difficulties going on later. I'll let you guys know about on Facebook page, but hopefully we'll get those worked out. And, and when I kind of look over, it looks like not all of you are maybe having that problem just because, um, there's still that going on, but you, there's no problem on YouTube. So if you are having problems, just watch it on YouTube, um, until hopefully we can get this, get this worked out here with the other things, if you are having that problem. So yeah, so go ahead and take advantage of those things and, uh, yeah, rate and review us. Tell us what you think. Um, please don't get too mad at us about this episode. If you think we did go too far, I tried to warn you at the beginning that any information is going to be too much information to a certain percentage of you, because that's just how it is. You know, I, I get it. I wouldn't, I tried not to hear anything about the movie until I saw it. So yeah, I get that. So with that, we'll close it out. So I'm Steven. This is Dakota. See you later.